delighted that you have found the Mindset Mental Meets podcast. I'm Angela Cox, your host and indeed the Mindset Mentor, and I'll be interviewing executives and founders at the top of their game to find out what lies beneath. I want to know what makes people proud, how they define success, what holds them back and indeed what drives them forward. This is authentic and natural conversation with the best in the business. So listen in, enjoy and if you love what you hear, please do leave a review. And now over to today's guest. Hello everyone, I am joined today by the wonderful Karen Baker. Now she is Director of Global Customer Services for Abcam. She's a lover of running, she's a mum of two, and she might not tell you this because she has humility in bucketfuls, but she also holds a PhD in biology from the University of Cambridge. There's not many people can say that. She's smiling now, beaming with smiles. We're recording this in the summer, although it'll be coming out to you in September. So it's beautiful sunshine. Karen, how are you? I'm really well, thank you. And I'm very much enjoying the sunshine after a period of, you know, wondering where the summer would come. It's finally here. So yeah, outside, getting a suntan as much as I can. It's like here in abundance. And you were just saying before we came on that you were running at 4.30 yesterday when it was like 75 degrees or something. Yeah, it was pretty hot, I can tell you. I didn't know if I would get to the end of my ambitious 30 minutes, but I got there. <laughs> you got there, as you always do, because you are focused always in everything that you do. Now, as you know, Karen, on the podcast, we talk about you and your proudest moments. And that might bring in to the scheme, you know, work, it might bring in family, you know, some of your achievements along the way, wherever we go is fine. But it is very much about Karen. And we don't get a chance very often to talk about ourselves. So you can embrace it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think we spend a lot of time thinking about others. Um, yeah. But it's very exciting to spend some time talking about ourselves and, and me. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I cannot wait then to hear your first proudest moment. So do share that one with us. Okay. I'll try, I've, I've thought about them in chronological order. So I'll start with nice. my, my first one, which was my PhD, which you mentioned in the beginning. So doing a PhD was certainly not on my career plan as a young girl or young woman. And I always looked at people that were doing, I suppose, further study with admiration, thinking, wow, wouldn't that be amazing to do something like that? And I'd worked in academia for probably about five, six years. And I was a research assistant at the University of Cambridge. I was working with a couple of people at the time that kind of said, well, why don't you do one? You know, have you thought about doing one? I was like, what? <laughs> no, no, that's certainly not my plan. But they planted that seed. They encouraged me. And I had the opportunity to do a PhD while I was working. And it, I certainly learned a lot about myself. It certainly built my resilience. During that that period, I'm not going to say it was easy. It was quite a tough time. But getting to the end was such a feeling of achievement. And I remember during the graduation ceremony, having that opportunity oh. to celebrate with my family and my, my to-be husband at the time. 
they'd really supported me throughout that journey. So it was really fantastic. We had great weather, right, similar to that we're getting at the moment. And it just felt like a real celebration, not a celebration of me as such, but a celebration of achievement and the support that they provided. So I still feel really proud and get a bit goosebumpy when I when I think about it, really proud of, of that achievement. I'm not surprised. It's a massive undertaking to do that on a full-time basis. But the fact that you do it on top of your job, tell me about how you balanced that and how you managed both parts. Yeah, so I suppose I was fortunate in the sense that sometimes when people do PhDs, they they do studentships. But as I was studying at the time, I was able to do the PhD as part of my job and just pay the the fees that were required to do that. So it meant I had a bit more, I suppose, financial security, which was which was certainly nice to have because I had a mortgage at the time. So yeah. being that little bit older, yeah, trying to find that balance. This wasn't necessarily too difficult, but it was, yeah, certainly making sure that I was able to fulfil the obligations that I had within my role, but then also continue to work on the projects that I was studying for. So yeah, it was really amazing. And a massive achievement, particularly from a university like Cambridge. I can imagine that it's a really tough environment to be in because, you know, everybody at Cambridge is like amazing, aren't they? So how did you find that dynamic? Yeah, I mean, everyone's super smart. A lot of people that are there are just just, um, amazingly academic, I suppose I would say. I think what I found... Cambridge is like no other university, probably similar to Oxford, and I'm not going to get into that Oxford. (laughs) Yeah, don't. But it's just, yeah, it's just the uniqueness of the way they have their college systems. They have formal halls, and it was a real experience. Although I wasn't living in halls of residence, I still had the opportunity to, you know, socialise and be around that environment. It's a really great, great opportunity to be able to do that and meet people from really different backgrounds as well. Mm -hmm. So the college that I was in was Lucy Cavendish College, which was at the time for kind of mature students, female students, they were over 21. So a real mixture of different backgrounds, people that had had families, but were going back to undergraduate study. And so a real mix of different people. So I found that really interesting and having that opportunity to, to meet with people from different backgrounds yeah, I, I really enjoyed that part of it. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant to hear. And have you kind of been bitten by the bug since you've done that? Have you wanted to do more study or, you know, even another PhD, dare I ask? Yeah, I wouldn't do another PhD. <laughs> I, I would say that. Never. But, no. <laughs> but when I when I reflect on, I suppose, that sense of achievement, I do sometimes think it would be nice to kind of study and learn something else and go through that process. I do enjoy learning and now there's not very much, I suppose, structured learning in what we do. So I did enjoy that about it when you're quite clear about, okay, this is what you're going to do or, you know, this is what you're looking to learn about. You're trying to prove this hypothesis. And so at the right time, I I think I would consider doing something else. But it certainly wouldn't be a PhD again. I feel like, okay, I, I could, no, no, I don't need to do that again. <laughs> well, you've got the big one now, haven't you? You know, yeah. Cambridge Uni on the CV, you can't get any better. That's amazing. Yeah. And I'll be coming to you for help, I'm sure, because I've just started mine. And yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Happy to <laughs> help. Come to the expert, it'll be fine. So tell me about your second one then. So my second one isn't very specific. It's more kind of different moments, I want to say, in time. So I was thinking about what 
what am I also really proud of? And I started thinking about kind of the growth and development of others. So there's kind of two different parts to that. So one is within my job and my career, I really enjoy supporting people through their own growth and development and seeing people really grow and thrive throughout their careers. But then it's also with my two children as well, seeing them grow up and it's all I really wish there came with a handbook because I don't really know what I'm doing like all of the time I think Same. But, and, and it's such a responsibility and I certainly feel like I'm winging it most of the time but when there's those moments where you have these discussions with them because they're, they're four and seven so you know we're having conversations about things they're, they're really learning they're really inquisitive so I really enjoy those conversations where the, you can see that they're learning and you're trying to give them I suppose really rounded information so that they can kind of go away and and just have the best start in life I suppose so you know life's not fair yeah sometimes it's not but these are the things that we do if you're if you're kind to others hopefully they'll be kind to you and um, all of those types of things is is really nice and and it's great to see them doing well and for me it's not about them being the best in the world but it's about being the best that they can be and trying as hard as they can so it's really lovely when they have those moments where they, they're really proud and I make sure that I really celebrate that and, you know, recognise when they've done a great job, give them high fives, give them hugs and, and all those oh. sorts of things. So, yeah, so I suppose it's not one thing, but it's kind of a combination of different things to to see other people succeed. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, I mean, it's one of your big strengths in in that idea of supporting others. And I noticed when I was kind of reading some of your things on LinkedIn, I mean, I know you well, but I didn't know this about you. You've got an ILM in coaching and mentoring. Yeah. And so, you know, in terms of how you operate as a leader, would you say that you bring that coaching into the way that you lead? Yeah, definitely. I really enjoy working with people. I've sort of learned that through my time. And more recently, I get a huge amount of satisfaction of working with other people. And the kind of coaching and mentoring side of it, you know, having those conversations, sometimes obviously you you need to lead more. But what I really enjoy is just having those open conversations and hearing them come up with ideas and, oh, yeah, that sounds brilliant. Yeah, go ahead. Let's do that. So I really enjoy that element of just kind of that, that supporting, having open, transparent conversations to help either the business succeed, but individual succeeds is even I don't know that that's even more satisfying for me I think. Yeah watching people grow whether that's your children or whether that's the people that work for you and obviously you're in the right job now you know director of customer operations you're looking after great numbers of people but I'm intrigued and this might be your next one so apologies if I'm if I'm kiboshing number three. I'm intrigued as to how you move from research in Cambridge University as your core job to directing operations and customer services that I mean that's like a massive leap of difference there how did that come about yeah and I suppose to kind of start the story when I was studying I remember being on a leadership not necessarily leadership program but a program where you learn more about yourself and how you interact with others and we did an exercise which kind of put me in a box that said you'd be really good at managing and at the time I was like oh god don't know I don't responsibility that sounds a bit I'm not sure if I'd enjoy that but it's funny how naturally I seem to have progressed into that kind of role and when I started at Abcam I was very much very technical working within Mm. the technical team serving customers but throughout 
why I suppose my career at Abcam have had the opportunity to manage people. I've really enjoyed it and have managed to progress into a more senior role within the company. And the business has grown so much during my time there that the role hasn't necessarily stayed the same. It's grown as the company's grown. And within my role now, having that global role means that I'm working with a global team, Mm -hmm. which is incredibly interesting because then it's different cultures that you're exposed to from a people perspective. So I think it's been a natural progression, partly because it's what I enjoy and what what I'm good at, I suppose. So it certainly hasn't been a kind of a two-year journey. It's been, you know, over 10 years to get to this point where you really identify where your strengths are, where you where you get most satisfaction, I suppose, mm. really, and what, what you enjoy doing. And how do you manage that kind of relationship with people, you know, who might be in the US and you're here in the UK? It's quite challenging to lead in that way when you've got those kind of, you know, barriers of not being able to physically be there. And we've all learned how to do that in COVID, but you've been doing it for longer. So what are some of the the ways that you kind of engage with people and help them grow as as you like to do when you can't be with them? Yeah, it's it's a really interesting question. I'd like to say that this is my formula, but I I don't really know. I think it's just a case of really engaging with people, getting to know people, you know, so that you you understand a bit more about who they are, what they're driven by, what they like, if they're receptive to understanding well who's at home you know but what's your family Um, I like to have the chit chat I find it I just find it really I I find people interesting so I suppose that maybe I'm a bit nosy but um, (laughs) I'm just curious (laughs) so I find people interesting so I think once you've got that really good foundation then it feels like Mm -hmm. that's how you get to know people that's how you engage with people so I wouldn't say I've got okay do step one two three but it, it just feels like that's one of the keys I suppose And you know what? It's so important that, and it's one of the things I notice about you the most is your ability to be interested and curious about others, as opposed to wanting to put yourself forward. Mm -hmm. You know, and and so often with leaders, it's about them and what they're good at and how wonderful they are. And yet with you, because of your humility, you're able to think about other people before yourself. And, you know, really understand who they are and how they tick. And, you know, I see that as being one of your major strengths. It's brilliant. Mm. Yeah. And I think, you know, finding people interesting. I'm like that kind of like all the time, even when Mm. you read the news and kind of see things that are going on. It's kind of understanding the why, you know, what's what's going on, what's driven that decision or where's that coming from? I suppose naturally I'm quite inquisitive and curious about Mm. about people and relationships and yeah it's just something that I'm quite passionate about yeah curious Karen that's yeah. the new name for you <laughs> so we've got number one which was all about growing yourself and developing yourself then we've got number two which is all about growing others and supporting others be that your children or your people what's number three so number three is my marathon that I did um in 2018 which was 2018 yeah so you mentioned by running earlier on the conversation. So I've been running for probably about 20 years and, you know, marathons always been on my bucket list. My sister does a lot of running. She's run almost, well, she's trying to get to a hundred marathons. So she's done a lot more than that. Wow. Um, so she's a bit of a, a, an inspiration certainly, but it's always been on my bucket list. And I watch the London marathon on the TV. I get a bit emotional actually. I'm like, oh, oh me that, too. that'd be amazing. You know, the, the sense of achievement. So 
when my youngest son was a year old, I committed and I said, right, I'm going to do one next year. You know, I entered and then got really worried that I was going to get injured. Naturally, that's what all, all runners are injured all of the time. I had my plan. I did lots of conditioning, lots of stretching, all those types of things. And then probably about, it was probably four or five months before, before D-Day, I started my plan in earnest. And I actually really enjoyed the process of, you know, ticking a box on, on your calendar, yeah. right? I've done this today. And then seeing the progress from a fitness point of view and the distance that you could run. So, you know, getting over 13 miles for me, I was like, wow, okay, this is the longest I've ever run in my life. This is amazing. Got a bit of an injury at the end, but managed to nurse myself to at least to the start line. And I'd love to say I enjoyed it, but I would be (laughs) lying. And I definitely got to 20 miles and thought, oh my God, I actually had a few tears and thought I can't carry on. So I think that was the wall, the official wall. I certainly got to that point. And when I got to the end, I literally burst into tears. And one of the officials was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm just so glad I finished. (laughs) But the sense of achievement at the end was amazing. I Mm. was so proud of what I'd achieved just because I suppose it's one of those things that I thought I would never do. And I had some of my family there and I had Neil Marsh there who really helped me. So he's a coach that I work with. So having him there, I had a little cry with him as well because he'd really supported me through that journey. So it was just a real celebration, I suppose, of, of, of that achievement. And I have done one since, even though it's taken me a couple of years again to get to a point where I'm ready. And I really enjoyed it. And I think it was that sense of confidence that, well, I've mm-hmm. done it already. I know even if I have to walk for some of it, I can do that. And it doesn't matter if you walk it. You still run. You still covered the distance. 26.2 yeah. miles, which is a quite a long way. So I definitely will do more and I won't leave it quite so long. So I'm hoping to do London again, not the, the virtual London again in October. So yeah, it's it's great. Just, you know, it's something to, I like those achievements. I suppose when we talked earlier about, you know, would you study again? I've always got these little kind of projects in my mind, I suppose, yeah. of, okay, I want to get to this point. I want to do this. Always got a bit of a plan of little things that I want to do. So that's what I quite enjoy about running. It's like, okay, I've got that date in the diary. This is my race that I'm going to do. Right, I'm going to start building up and I'm going to do that. So yeah, I really enjoy that that planning process and sense of achievement I love the fact you say it's quite a long way (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) let's just talk about Neil Marsh just briefly obviously lots of people listening won't know who Neil is but he obviously builds this amazing community which was based in Cambridge and still is in terms of a physical presence of his gym but he also now supports people online as well and There's something really special about him and the way that he is able to bring people together and help them to get towards their goals. So when you were training for the marathon, were you doing that in conjunction with other people in his fit fam or were you doing it as a lone wolf? Yeah. So there were other people that were training. So it was a Brighton marathon that I did. So other people were training for that at the same time. I managed to rope my best friend um, into doing it as well. She's a lot quicker than me, but it was her first marathon as well. So it's really good to just have those people around you to say, oh, well, I'm kind of having a bit of a tough time or you've got any advice on this. And then you can pick them up when they're going through a a bit of a a rough patch and you can boost each other. So it was really great to have that community and people around you that are going through the same experience because a lot of people were also doing it for the first time. So doing that together that support really helps to keep you motivated. And there's a sense of accountability there. I think for me, 
being accountable to somebody else, even if you just say to somebody else, I'm going to do this. You know, I did that last year with the doctoral study. I'm going to do a doctoral study. And, and then it's in my head going, I've said that now. I need to do that now. Yep. There is that kind of element of you can't cop out then on those mornings where you wake up and think, oh, can't be bothered with my long run today. Yeah. Ah, but Jane will be doing it or Neil will be doing his. So I've got yep. to commit because I said I would. Yeah, no, completely. So once you've said it out loud, then yeah, it's not just something that you can put away in a box and say, oh yeah, well, I'm I'm not going to do that now. And I suppose sometimes I worry about that because then is it pressure? But I think it can be really positive. Mm. Yeah, if you use it in the right way. And again, I mean, just like a PhD in a job, how do you, because this is something lots of people say, I can't do it, I don't have time. How do you have two children Oh, back then it was, you know, a newborn pretty much. Yeah. Train for a marathon and work in a big position within an organization like Superwoman. How do you do it? (laughs) It's all about planning, isn't it? It's all about having a kind of schedule. And I suppose from a training plan point of view, that's good. You've got your clear plan about what you what you need to do. And it's finding those areas of time, like going out at lunchtime to do your short run. I often go running very early on the weekend. So I'll go out at six in the morning to make sure that it doesn't interfere with my home life. So it's, yeah, making sure that you can schedule it in, having, I suppose, a supportive family as well that enable you to do that. Sometimes I still feel guilty that I'm out doing something for me and not with my family or there's something I'm maybe not doing at work, but I want to get this done. So it's finding a balance thing, having a plan, just being, just being organized. And it's a bit like the accountability piece. If I say, right, I'm going to do this run tomorrow and I'll tell someone that, then I need to do that tomorrow. I can't cop out and say I'm not going to do it. So I think it's having that commentary and getting your running trainers out the day before. (laughs) So you've got everything there. So there's no excuse. So I'm just going to get up and do that because everything's ready for me. I think that really helps. Oh, that helps so much. That kind of intention the night before and the the planning. But you are such a planner and you know, are able to sort of schedule things in a way that you say. But it's interesting to hear you talk about the guilt because, you know, lots of my female clients talk about this in terms of I can't take time for myself. And I always talk about we'd be a better version of you if you are taking time for yourself. So that kind of dilemma between what you want and then the needs of everybody else around you. For somebody like you that loves supporting other people, that's a real challenge. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's where it's finding the time where you can do that with, with, I suppose, minimizing that. So if I was going out on a Saturday at 10 o'clock in the morning, I'd feel much more guilty because I should be taking the boys to football or, and my husband's now got to do it because I'm out running. And although that might work because I can run with other people, actually doing it early means also I've got it done. So I can't make excuses for the rest of the day. But I'm coming back, they're having breakfast. Okay, I can join in breakfast and then I'm there for the whole day. So I think it's just about planning it. And I completely agree that if I don't go out and do running, do exercise, then it makes me a bit miserable. So actually, I feel much better (laughs) when I've gone out and I've done something. I've had a bit of space for me Mm. and I'm a lot more relaxed, I suppose, and content, which means that I'm a better person at home, a better person in the office. So it really benefits, benefits everyone. And an inspiration for your two children. I mean, talk about role modeling, you know, the academia, the fitness, this idea of balance and seeing both sides of a story. It's amazing role modeling. You can be really proud. Yeah. And 
role modeling was something I was reflecting upon I think as a parent and you don't always get it right do you oh, there's God, moments no. where certainly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no one's perfect are they and if they they do that they were they're going to be lying but yeah I think that is really important you know I talk to them about if you work hard then the good things will come your way but yeah it's all about strong messaging and leading by example that's what I try to do totally it's funny I'm doing this thing about transactional analysis at the moment and we're talking about the critical parent that we all have inside us and you know there's moments when like the things that your parents would say to you suddenly sort of trip out of your mouth and then you go oh my god (laughs) I'm doing that yeah yeah I've been really aware of these things recently. It's like, no, rewrite that script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really funny, isn't it? You have those moments. It's so hard. Oh, no. (laughs) Parenting is hard. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And so we've had your three proudest moments. So we've got this, like your personal growth in terms of academia, this growing and supporting others, and then the running achievements, which again is about growing you, but that sense of community that sits around it. So amazing, inspirational, proud moments. And so it'll be interesting to hear now the kind of the killer question on the pod is all about success. And, you know, most people, again, don't like to talk about success because it's challenging to face into that. But I'd love to understand from you what you believe the secrets to success are from your own point of view. Mm. it's quite hard it's a very hard question and I I just kind of broke it down into something quite simple which is to be kind no maybe that's very much very uh, very very me but I think it's really important to me for people to be kind to me is I suppose one thing but also for me to be kind to others Mm. I think you never know what challenges other people are going through which means they might be transposing themselves or they might be behaving in a particular way, even your, your children. Yeah, we've talked quite a bit about children. So for me, and I've got a little note in my office that says, you know, be kind. And I think it's just really important to be human, to respect mm-hmm. others, have, you know, those, those open conversations, kind of care. Tough love doesn't really, I don't buy into that at all. And I see that just not working in many, many situations. No, so yeah it's it's just quite simple and just just be kind you know it is simple in terms of the message but difficult in terms of the delivery for so many and I think particularly at this time where it feels like we're in a culture of waiting to be offended mm-hmm. you know where we kind of see this particularly in like the world of Twitter and places like that where you know everybody wants to jump in on something that somebody's said and I think this essence of being kind is so important. And one of the things that I learned, and it's been a really big message for me, is this assuming the positive intent of everybody around you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that really helps with that be kind thing, because if you force yourself to find out what the positive intent might be before you allow yourself to be offended, it then really helps with the response and yeah. helps us to be kind in that response. So I think it, takes some intervention sometimes for people to feel that kindness for others when they're in that position where they might not agree or the opinion is different or whatever it might be but if we can all be in that place where we're we're valuing harmony as opposed to conflict all the time yeah it'd be so amazing yeah wouldn't it yeah it'd be lovely wouldn't it honestly I love harmony I just think 
Yeah, and I know that it's unrealistic, but I just think it makes life so much easier if we can, you know, explicitly say what's on your mind, but in a respectful way yeah. and leading with kindness. So I think you're spot on with that. Well, thank you. Absolutely spot on. And the thing for you is, it's not difficult for you because kindness just flows from you as a given. You're one of the kindest people I know. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I try. It's been a joy today to talk to you. It's so easy to talk to you. It just kind of flows in a really easy way. And, you know, what I love about you is, let's face it, you are a smart cookie. You know, you don't get a PhD at Cambridge without being a smart cookie. But what's lovely about you is you never lead with it. You never lead to make people feel small based on how brilliant your mind is. You know, you are accessible, you are curious, and you are full of humility. And I think as a leader, those traits are so few and far between and what's needed at the moment in the way that leaders show up. So big up to you, Karen Baker. Well, thank you very much. That means a lot. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. Oh, it's been a pleasure talking to you as well. And I know it's summer now and we won't be out until September, but when people hear it, I'm sure you're going to be inspirational to many. So enjoy your summer. Thank you for chatting to me and we'll speak again soon. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. And so just like that, we're at the end of the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed your time listening today. And a big thank you from me for taking the time. I'd really love it if you would be able to leave a review because it really does help us to get noticed. And if you haven't already, why not subscribe and then you never miss an episode. I wish you a lovely rest of the day, whatever it is that you're doing. And I hope that you stay safe and well.